This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Let's revisit our top story. That, of course, is the budget. Finance Minister Katina Conroy rose in the legislature well, just over, I guess, four hours ago uh, and delivered B.C. government's $89 billion budget, which included a $7 billion deficit, a whopping $7.9 billion deficit. As I was saying earlier, uh, Ted Field, as you were speaking, I remember my early days as a reporter, a $2 billion deficit was considered big. This is $7.9 billion. Um, the debt itself climbs $20 billion to $123 billion, uh, and servicing that debt uh, will cost $4.1 billion per year, and that's up from $3.3 billion. Here is Finance Minister Katrina Conroy. And as Finance Minister, I want you to know that when times are tough, our government works for you. We have your back. And we will continue taking action for you so more people feel hopeful about their future here. Some look at the challenges ahead and say government should respond with deep cuts leaving people to fend for themselves. This would only weaken the services we all rely on and drive up costs with added fees and fares. It would leave people at risk to those who take unfair advantage by putting profits ahead of people. We see this in the current housing crisis. After decades where the housing market served the interests of investors and speculators, even those who earn a decent income are finding it hard to afford a home. And that doesn't sit well with our government. That was uh, Finance Minister Katrina Conroy basically saying uh, they're moving ahead and uh, they're not going to be making any uh, deep cuts. Uh, And as I said, the debt continues to grow. The deficit is at $7.9 billion. Joining me now to talk about today's budget is Bridget Anderson, President and CEO of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. Bridget, welcome. Thanks very much, Jazz. You were in the lockup. Your thoughts uh, in regards to what you heard from the Finance Minister today? Well, overall, we did see some relief today, particularly for small businesses, but concern about tomorrow. You know, for many months now, we've been talking about the $6.5 billion in additional government-imposed costs that small, medium businesses have been dealing with over the last couple of years. And so we went to government over the last many months, and our number one ask was to increase the EHT threshold to $1.5 million. So we did see the threshold increase to a million dollars, which we will we were pleased to see because this means about a hundred million dollars in savings. And again, particularly for those small businesses that are still really struggling post pandemic. We were also quite pleased to see the one year electricity credit, about four and a half percent for businesses. But we remain concerned about this low growth environment and high costs that really have businesses struggling with affordability. So, I mean, looking at your crystal ball here for the next two or three years, we had Ken Peacock on earlier from the Business Council of British Columbia. He expressed concerns over, you know, we've got three major projects uh, in the interior in the north with the the TMX pipeline. We have uh, uh, Site C. We also have the LNG Canada project, all of them wrapping up significant amount of spend here in British Columbia and paychecks here in British Columbia. Those go away probably next year. I mean, what needs to change in your mind in regards to what governments do Doing, uh, to not have to deal with a, what many of saying is a fiscal reckoning that's coming down. 
Well, that's exactly where our concern is for our members at the Board of Trade. You know, the fiscal track is getting a post-pandemic dose of reality, if you will. You mentioned the capital projects that are coming to completion. So that is tens of thousands of jobs. We're seeing unprecedented population growth in British Columbia. And so we need the private sector to to be able to invest, for government to create the conditions to be able to do that. Yes, we need services for the population growth and the future population growth from public sector investment. But we are saying private sector investment needs to be um, accelerated. And so how do how does government create those conditions, really making it uh, a, a lower cost jurisdiction than it is now, removing some of the regulatory challenges that many of these projects uh, are facing that cost delays and delays, of course, mean not only time, but they mean money. So that's really what we were hoping to see in the budget and didn't see that. Um, We are definitely concerned about the debt and the the deficit that we're seeing those increases. And and the question then for government is, you know, how is this sustainable for the future for a province? Uh, And and I want to touch on that a a little bit here. I mean, would you have just preferred that the deficit was significantly smaller? And that would have meant tougher, tough decisions to make in regards to where you cut or where you defer projects. Do you want to see more of that then? Well, and this is the challenge for government, and, and, and I, we do recognize it. With seeing the unprecedented population growth, as we're saying, 300,000 people in British Columbia just in the last two years alone, that you know now is the time to ensure that we're investing in services and infrastructure to to be able to deal with this growth. But we are seeing low growth. Let's be clear. You know, British Columbia has led the pack in growth in Canada for many years. For this year and next year, we're at the back of the pack for Canada. So what is the plan to attract investment? What is the plan to create the conditions so that those project decisions are going to be made, whether it's, you know, the second phase of LNG Canada or whether it's other big projects, when they're looking to put their dollars somewhere, are they choosing to put them in British Columbia as opposed to other provinces or other countries? Now, the real estate industry uh, here in Vancouver uh, has been struggling, like many jurisdictions, with a high interest rate environment. Um, there is now a 20% tax on profits, essentially a flipping tax. Uh, and I don't need you to go do a deep dive into the real estate industry. That's not what you do. <laughs> but do you think it, uh, to a certain degree, um, does hinder and once again create that climate that says we do not want entrepreneurs? Well, here's the struggle. Um, our members have been saying for many years that the uh, their ability to attract and retain talent is completely correlated to the high cost of housing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we do need a lot more housing in supply and uh, to come onto the supply to be able to, to reach this demand. The government has introduced a host of legislation, which we've talked about over the last many months. It's a little too early to say, is that going to start to change the trend? So a speculation of flipping tax, does that actually get more housing into the market? We can't say that yet. So we need more housing into the market and we need more housing that is affordable for especially for those middle income earners. Uh, in regards to just the BC Electricity Affordability Credit, you mentioned uh, it does help small businesses. Would you like to have seen perhaps a, a, a bit, the credit to be a little, bit, a little bit bigger for not only just small businesses, for individuals as well? We would have loved to have seen more relief for businesses overall. I mean, we, you know, often we think about business as being something that is uh, separate from individuals and families. Well, businesses are the ones that employ, employ individuals and families. And so 
one of the many asks that we've had of government for some time are what kind of incentives could be there so that businesses can continue to grow and invest in their operations and their people, whether it would be uh, an incentive uh, around machinery or software or PST credit, those kinds of actions that really do spur on um, a company to be able to take more risk and to grow. So, yes, we would have liked to see more, but I, I will acknowledge the government did hear the concerns from the business community around the EHT. We didn't get one and a half million in the threshold <laughs> increase, but we got to one million and that is $100 million in relief for businesses at a time where they are really struggling. I know we have a different grading system now in our schooling system than perhaps when you and I were, <laughs> when you and I were growing up. But if you were to give a grade, old school grade, <laughs> to, for this budget, what grade would you give it? Well, and we did. And we went old school. We had a conversation of whether, whether we went with this new system, but I can't actually understand it yet well enough. So uh, we look at three different buckets uh, and we gave it an overall C to recognize the fact that government did hear the concerns from businesses on the employer health tax. But our concerns remain about the sustainability for increasing debt and deficit and around economic vision, the economic growth and private sector investment. As always, Bridget, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much, Jess.